0: What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Dogs Basketball Podcast. Finally, a W edition. The Dogs got back in the win column, sweeping the Valpo beacons in the process, but it definitely was not another easy one. I'm Nate Malone, joined by Noah Lurch. And Noah, this, this game had it all. I mean, we'll talk about some guys that played in this game that haven't in forever. We keep joking. Do they listen to the podcast? Do they talk about this and that? And clearly they know the cons of why you lose certain games. It's because you went away from the depth that you said you had and all this and that. There was that part of the game and just another game, No, at home where we just did not have the flow of everything and we had a really, really sloppy first half to where we were down and then we had to just find this spark again in the second half. What's going on?
1: Yeah, definitely a very – what I said at the time, uninspiring first half by this group. I mean, it felt like they just came out pretty flat. They said, all right, we've lost three in a row. We're back home and let's look who's on the other side from us. So it's uh, it's a bottom three team in the league. I think we'll just be able to get right through this game. And that's what we talked about in the preview. I mean, the record's not good, but Roger Powell said in Monday's uh, teleconference that this team is starting to figure stuff out and they just have young guys that those young guys are hungry and they're playing at a level that are pretty good. And they not, they may not win a lot of games the rest of the way, but this is a team where if you have to play them on Thursday in March, you're going to get their best shot. And that's what they didn't. They threw the first punch. We have been talking about this whole kind of boxing terms for this basketball team. And, uh, Roger Powell and his team threw that first punch, and it stunned us. It was a heavyweight fight, and we were a heavy favorite in it. And the underdog came out swinging, and they weren't ready.
0: No, and we said in the um, in the final tweet about we're impressed with Valpo, and it's almost and we you know on that tweet it was like that's mainly what what we took away from this by the end, and that's all we'll say on this. And it's borderline what I want to just talk about on this episode, it's just they carry that momentum and they know what they did and the, the comeback against us in the second half at their place sparked them on this run of winning two games and barely losing to Evansville they could have been 3 and 0 before they played us again and we talked about what the spread was 14 and a half and I was going you said you said the plus for sure I was going back and forth only because I said this team needs to just you know yeah off three losses like come in here and like kick some ass that for a team that you definitely no matter how they're doing, they are that bottom feeding team. You need to show what you are and show that just snapping out of a funk and you know being the team that you had been for most of the season until this rut. And you know, no doubt, they came out swinging and even on their side, a lot of a lot of stuff happened. They got on the board first, of course. Stafford's doing his thing. We we knew that he's been hurt a few games throughout, like you know, last month or so. He got banged up in this game in the first half. Uh, hit knees with somebody else and they didn't have them for like a 10 minute stretch. And they were still confidently, you know, getting some looks and stopping us on defense and, you know, an X again, had a, had a sloppy, not good first half. And Trent Brown was carrying the way, not a whole lot of others were doing anything. It was low scoring. Cooper Schweiger continues to be incredible. I didn't look, we talked, I think after the game or something, or even yesterday, about i wonder if this is because he had 19 i think a game prior and now he had 20 i, I think that's got to be his season high and he's just he's just awesome he's getting like nine rebounds every other game or close to 10 and really impressed with him diavaro did a lot of good things again we didn't um you know he didn't do what he did against us in the last game but he was still good i mean they're freshmen I mean, they played a lot of freshmen this game boy coming off a big game was fine and then you got jackson edwards i mean just athletes, and again, they they got Roger Powell behind them playing this kind of way and for sure got slapped in the face and even to the point where, again, down five at half and you're shooting the likes of 21% from three, 44 from the field. Valpo, four of seven from three, and they were beating us at the free throw line. They were getting fouled. We got in the bonus really early. I mean, no there was more foul trouble in this game. And then, I mean, we saw exactly – you know, we didn't see Sheridan in in this first half, but no, we saw somebody we hadn't seen in forever, which is just odd. Again, how do you just, you could talk about obviously what RJ has been through, like what they've been treating him as in the last week. And then all of a sudden he comes in and we're just flabbergasted and he didn't do anything wrong per se. And it just shows you can bring these guys in and have them make an impact small or big and just ride it because you need to give guys breathers. And again, the foul trouble had a lot to do with it, but your, your thoughts on the first half of why, again why we were just how the flow wasn't there at home and how we kind of lost lost our touch at home and had showed in that first half
1: yeah it was just i mean we continue to talk rotations with this with this staff and it seems to be we would go through that first half and you see obviously the 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 usuals come in with Canard and Jarrett um then Trey which we see sometimes and he's either been banged up missed didn't dress a game but now he's back and sometimes he plays sometimes he doesn't then RJ all of a sudden then all of a sudden late in the first half here comes Scotty finally we're like what what are you waiting for this guy i mean you talked about on the on the preview of what he did against them had 14 points up there and he was a dominant force and they they were forced up there to play Jerome Palm because a guy who didn't even play in this game because we put in Scotty and Sepp couldn't handle him, got in a little bit of foul trouble, I think up there. So he was a mismatch and we don't use him in barely in this first half and barely in this game. But yeah, definitely. I mean, got in foul trouble. We did. I mean, I think X and Clarence both had two, three fouls or two, or I think X had two and Clarence had one. I think Scotty got um, maybe one as well, but yeah, just, Two, we only had four turnovers, so it's not like we're turning over the ball. We just – we're continuing to get good looks, and we still have yet to step up and knock down shots. I mean, in that first half, I mean, Trent Brown was the aggressor. He ends up four of nine, one of six from three. Um, he's still struggling, but was the leading scorer, nine points. Um, but we're two of, two of five from the free throw line. That's usually not – I think Clarence was two of four. And X – oh, for one, shockingly – um but yeah I mean just watching Roger and his staff seeing him when Isaiah went down he was just kind of like screaming I don't know if he was directed at the ref but he's very vocal on the sidelines I like to see him I like watching him on the sidelines so um but yeah I mean seeing RJ Trey and Scotty for a rare two minutes uh against the team we could take advantage of with him is just I'm still it's not like it's like, all right, you're on a three-game using streak. All right, RJ, we're going to see what you're made of now. I mean, it's a little too late for that. You need to find a rhythm. And you see every other team, like I was telling you kind of yesterday, I mean, every other team pretty much, unless major foul issues or injuries happen, they have their rotation sets and they, people know what their roles are. And our guys off the bench have no idea what they're doing.
0: Yeah, again, it is too late. And whether you want to still preach, oh, we want to play our best basketball at this time of year. But you're right. Other teams are not only going to be playing the best basketball, but have things figured out. And again, Stulich didn't play again in this game. And it's like, you know, we saw him warming up and it's like, uh, you know, how, you know, he's hitting, you know, shooting corner threes and hitting them. So it's like, is he just like getting something weird going on there, injury or just lack of just not playing itself and then that requires RJ to play and RJ had who I would think just coaches decisions not dressed he's had two of those in the last couple of weeks and then all of a sudden he gets thrown in this game I mean it's just it's just weird you can't and again you know Trey got in foul trouble on this first half he is dealing with maybe an injury we haven't you know asked around about the specifics of that but he did score in this game he looked a little antsy itself and then you know, even with foul trouble, he came out and it seemed like he, you know, was still dealing with something. That's when we saw Sharon, you know, later on in the second half. But, uh, you know, most of those guys that did come in that barely played. I mean, with Scotty just in those two and a half minutes, because I'm thinking because I'm looking at Canard's game. And I remember saying we need the, we need Canard to have a, uh, you know, one of those you know, just a little bit of a breakout in terms of like five points active and stuff. And he was definitely that you saw from the start of the game. He was, you know, ripping and driving and sc- born at the rim himself and then he got a three because Scotty was fighting for offensive rebounds once again. He ha- he was getting them on f- with four dudes around him and he ended up finding a ball and then kicked it out to Kennard who hit a corner three that helped some things throughout that as well. So Kennard was at seven, Scotty got that sweet assist. Uh and then yeah, Trent for sure four of nine and uh you know that those are the things we saw in this first half because no, I mean four of nine and yeah one of six but he was he was three of three inside the three point line. So that's what we've been saying. That's what he said after the game. It's crazy seeing Trent finally do more than just be a shooter. He addressed it himself. He said that Brian has been talking to him about being more than a shooter. And he says, you know, Trent says he's in the best shape of his life and that it's important to do all that because, you know, he's, he mentioned his like tough stretch here too. and like, you need to do more. And it's just crazy knowing that when he does do more, he's successful. You know, he gets to the free throw line or, He's able to finish because he's strong in that sense. And we just need more of that. And again, you know, I can understand it as a young player. You don't do it as much. But now that you're a fifth year and even last year, albeit still hurt kind of, you just you need to do more. And it shows you can be successful at it. So even in, in talking about too little too late, it's not too late for Trent to like help this season and keep doing those things. But just in his career, it's like he should have been doing it a long time ago more often, and he could have just been even more impactful than he already was. But those are the kind of things that stuck out in the first half. I mean, X, 15 and a half minutes, as you said, one of five, and only had two points. And there was a little scuffle before halftime, uh, him and a Valpo player. And we knew at that moment we were just like, what was that? And then I think we maybe said during halftime and then at the start of the second half that maybe that got – that's something that gets X going. That's something that gets this team going. So kicking off in the second half – uh it was I mean no I mean I'll get your thoughts on this and we'll, and we'll just finish out talking about how this game went but just how the morale was in the first half that you can just switch around here in the second half dive on loose balls do something and it's those kinds of things effort wise that that makes you snap out of a you know snap into it in a game against a team like this and we were saying amongst ourselves like that should not happen that it takes just the extra effort to get you going in a game itself. And you said to me also, like, we never expected a Brian team to not be as disciplined on defense or even lack that kind of fire and anything. I mean, the first 10 minutes forcing opponent tough shots. And it says we went on a 23 to three run and we took the lead and we never looked back. I mean, Noah, throughout that run, again, it's sparked by a lot of those things that really shouldn't ever require a team like this, to snap out of it and an effort sense, your thoughts on that.
1: Yeah. I mean, I, I remember turning to halftime, turning to you and our buddy Mitch and saying, I asked him, I said, I don't even think this fan base cheered in the first half. Like I asked him, I literally asked him, I said, what, what's the biggest cheer you heard during or during that first half? And he, and he, he literally got it because it make it makes no sense. And he's a fan favorite, but the biggest ovation, was for when Scotty came in for his two and a half minutes. I mean, that's how dead this team and energy was just sucked out of the whole arena the first half. And yeah, it takes those plays. This is what makes this and that's uh, what the nickname Brian wants to continue to strive for and live up to is floor burn you. And those are the, I mean, I mean, Trent's always going to do it, but it took your best player Xavier Johnson, one of the top leading scorers and one of the best defensive players in the country, just get on the floor a couple times to get him going. And obviously you mentioned a little bit, maybe it was that little, whatever, maybe Jackson Edwards or one of them said something to X right before half. And uh, Antonio Petty, the referee had him again. Don't know why we keep getting him. Um, He's still awful. He didn't do anything crazy in this game, but whatever they said, I mean, and then whatever Brian said in the halftime. I mean, they started. It was there, and it was clear. And if they would have done, if they would have done what they did in the second half, just to play the style. I mean, outscoring them forty-six thirty-five. You'd have, you would have covered the spread like you you felt like we needed to do and what you should have done against a team like this. But obviously, yeah. I mean, X stepping up in that second half Trent still being more aggressive still one of eight so maybe maybe that's a look ahead to maybe one of our dog picks later today because when he has a bad game usually what happens he has a good game but yeah I mean then big time shots uh he took good shots I don't think he I don't think he took one bad three Troy D'Amico shot making was on point four of seven from three one of two from the line um he had one of the better plus minuses uh, Played his butt off. I thought one of the better games by Troy. I was really, really, really like what I saw with the, the shot decision or shot selection and uh, just stepping up and making big shots because this is what we've been talking about and waiting for him. We don't mind him taking seven threes in a game. It's the type of threes he takes in a game.
0: Exactly. And there might have been one that was contested or something that I remember, and I, I think I said out loud, no way and then he makes it and we've said that a lot on, about Troy this year and it it lives up to the no way and then he'll drain one and he was great in this game it is it's just a shot selection I mean we're okay with you shooting him to an extent I mean again last game do we need elevator screens type of the key you know for and that's the thing Troy has the career three-point percentage that you would think is like yeah okay that's all right you know around 40 percent or more and you know, his his volume has never been there, so it's not really a sample size. He's shooting a lot more this year. And he is a he is a fine shooter, but it, it's just the timing of it or the kind of shots. And when he gets these open looks, he's gonna drill them. And he was able to to do that. So of course, you know, we we'll, we're Troy's harshest critics, but we love him and we know how important he is. He is vital to what SIU basketball is and has been and will continue to be that you know, of course we're going to point out great games and we're going to point out when, you know, he needs to improve and not, you know, play that kind of basketball that we don't need in certain games. So, but he was phenomenal with those 13 points. And then, I mean, some of those others, as you said, I mean, even, you know, and Trent finished, I mean, 14 shots, they were sitting on the radio. When was the last time Trent shot 14 times in a game? And I don't recall, he might've gotten around that in the Illinois state game, for example, because he got 20 points, but just knowing how active he can be in that aspect, and uh, you know, and just looking at, we had so many. We had more than half of our guys. We only had three guys in the first half in a positive plus minus. Ended up with only only four of a negative. So a lot of people turned it around throughout the game. And again, that twenty three to three run got up on Valpo, and they started to work their way back once again. And then we were able to hold him off, like, it just in a way that you just pray and wish that you could have against Bradley in its own way. And, uh, you know, it did get dicey again. And, you know, X with 25 second-half points, he was starting to get in his groove. I mean, he ended up 7 of 13, only shot three threes, which is kind of crazy. He was able to, you know, get more of that extra step back because we've talked how he kind of looks injured and this and that. And you said there, it's like we – you know, because his effort was not great in the first half. Obviously, nobody's were, but his steals to where he would literally just stand, and they'd be going on a fast break, and he wouldn't like try to go back. And even when he would, he gets the bad call, and they got a couple and ones off of it too. So again, the all of the efforts, one of the worst we've seen in a long time, in that first half. But then he turns it on, gets to the rim, is able to blow past guys, um, and then get just overall his shots to fall, and then course 12 of 14 from the free throw line he missed one i think it might have been at the end of the first half or something where it's like we can't get anything to go and that led to the to the deficit there but he ended up of course with uh four rebounds five assists did have those four turnovers a block two steals troy had three steals and Trent 38 minutes other things that stick out in this but no we Overall, I mean, Clarence, he was rebounding really well in the first half too when Nibalpo was missing their shots. I mean, Clarence eight 8-8, and eight, I mean, he continues to play well and he'll have the bad moments still. He overplays on defense. It's it's maddening the, how continuously he starts to do it because, you know, he's overplaying Schwieger. Schwieger is just getting anything he wants. He's hitting the threes. We saw Trent on him because we switched everything, of course, and uh, Trent got on him and kind of pulled his own chair out underneath him and just slipped. Schwieger got an easy layup, so it's like, Quaker's just really good in that sense, but in terms of just the defense sometimes wasn't there for us. But, uh, no, and again, we we saw Sheridan in this game, and it's we saw him come to the scores table, and then they took a timeout, and then it's like, watch him come to the scores table and then not end up coming in because of this TV timeout, and he did. And, I mean, Noah, he was – we've seen some people say, like, what they saw from him. It's like, well, you barely saw anything. How can you even get, like, a a bad, you know – idea of what he did when he came in he, he handled the ball he actually had good post defense he was on schweger or somebody someone bigger than him and they missed him we got the rebound and went he handled the ball he looked like i mean people saying he didn't look like a college player he looked like a college player out there he looks he just looks like in good shape and everything and again Noah, the one minute he gets isn't going to show us anything it's not even enough from sample size to help him moving forward uh, clearly any pt helps anybody but You know, it's just odd seeing him in again. Maybe that's because of Trey, and that's what we should have saw in you and I. But your thoughts on what you saw from Sheridan and why the heck you think he even played again. Again, it's weird. Same thing with like an RJ. And then your overall other takeaways and then final thoughts of this game.
1: Yeah, definitely weird, limited, and wondering exactly what's going on with Trey Miller. you think uh, at this point there would be a question asked to Brian Mullins about him, but they're yet yet to be – and yeah, I don't know. I mean I would if if Trey's not gonna play, Sheridan needs to play because X needs to get find some rest for X and can always leave Troy in and put him at the point guard. You gotta find some guys to back up X so continue to get him rest down the stretch here because we gotta find glimpses to where if it's a forty five seconds before media timeout, take him out real quick and uh, see something because I mean we've seen almost all year long. And now there's games he gets early foul trouble. So you need to find that, find a guy that can step up and take those backup minutes. So definitely, I mean, a wins a win at the end of the day, obviously not the way they wanted to play in the first half, but they showed what they can do in the second half by stepping up and playing the exact brand of basketball. Brian Mullins wants to, and that's going to get the job done a lot of the times. And they did that there in the second half. Yeah.
0: Um, but again, shout out to Valpo and w- their ability to, you know, hit key shots, defend when they needed to. And they gave up that run there. But, uh, you know, they, they still hung tough. And we respect everything Roger's been doing. As you said earlier, it would teams should be afraid because I don't – just depending and seeing what else has happened around the league, you know, they could drop games. And next thing you know, they could be 11 or 12. But they're playing like they're not going to. So, you know, a seven seed, if they get a 10, a seven seed should be worried. And they're going to keep fighting the rest of the year. They're going to steal some games more than likely. And they're going to, you know, leave some of that like, okay, this definitely is no cakewalk on Thursday for a lot of teams. So love what we saw from them um, overall. So, yeah, we ended up, I mean, 44 percent overall in the first half, 50 in the second, continue to shoot free throws extremely well. 20 of 26. We were 18 of 21. I think uh, one of those misses was Troy. And then uh, – I mean, if I was looking, I guess I have it in front of me. X missed two, and then Troy missed – or Trent missed one. Troy missed one, and then Clarence missed two. So they actually missed – they had six. So I was trying to go through who was what. So most of the people that shot him uh, missed at least one overall in that. Um, there were some just Brian quotes real fast that stuck out to me. He said uh, – he mentioned the loose balls, but he said, quote, the body language really changed once we were able to win those 50 50 plays and plays and guys play with great energy and great togetherness in the first t- 10 minutes of the second half, end quote. And again, I just beg us to wonder, like, how they didn't play like that from the get go, how they didn't, you know, always go into a game like that. And again, you're, you know, every a morale of a basketball team and how the players are, you know, feeling. It's, you would love for them all to be feeling the same and playing the same and having the right mindset, but it's just, in fact, you have to point out, you know, that the body language wasn't there or the togetherness, like great togetherness in the first 10 minutes. Oh, but there was no togetherness. And it's it's easy. I mean, he pointed it out. It's easy to point out, you know, his mistakes as a coach. But then the players and say, we didn't we didn't do this and that. And it's like at least it's clearly getting addressed because that's obviously what had happened in this game. So and he mentioned how how tough of a week. It was, and then he did not play their best in the first 20 minutes. That is safe to say, and we'll leave it at that. Again, more praise to Valpo in a sense, but we did turn it on in the second half. But did things we know we should have done from the get-go of this game. So, uh, and Brian got—they were just posting—he got his 80th win in the process. There's some other things uh, stat-wise we'll get to maybe here shortly. But no, let's let's just dive into the other games that happened. Uh, you know, there were some there were some good ones definitely some good ones uh, this past, you know, through this week. And then what we got coming up this weekend.
1: Yeah. We, go, we talked about Tuesday, what was going on that night. After we hopped off the podcast, Belmont on, Belmont on the road at Illinois state up in normal. The Redbirds uh, get another way in 77, Belmont refuses besides one game refuses to go on the road and win a basketball game. Miles um, Foster, big time for Illinois state with 19 and, 10 rebounds, 5 assists. Uh, Johnny Davis, good again. Burford, Dalton Banks had 11. Kingsiger, 13 off the bench. 13 and 7 rebounds and 3 assists for a freshman off the bench. So, very good win. Peden's trying to find the right direction, and they started looking – more like the team everybody thought they would be this year here recently than for belmont dia had 19 um but they continue like i said they won't go on the road and win win any game. still no gillespie obviously then evansville goes on the road and plays a decent game plays a pretty good pretty tough game against uni in the mcleod center but the panthers pulled out 70 to 63 titan Anderson had 15 and 10, Bowen had 14, Heiss had 15, then for Evansville, still no Ben Hummerkows. Toomey had 20 and 6, uh, Cuff had 13, Chuck Bailey had 14, so um, they're still still struggling without their best scorer, obviously, in Hummercouse, but um, they continue to play pretty close. Besides the Drake game, they've been playing close and tough, so it's another team like Valpo that... Or giving teams their best shot even without their best player. Then on Wednesday, Murray State went on the road, played Bradley in Carver Arena. 71-63 win for the Braves. Um Malevi Malavi Leones 17-7 in that game. Duke Dean 13. Hickman 12. Hannah 12. Christian Davis off the bench with 12. So really spread scoring for them. Then on the other side, the team will preview her in a little bit. Um was led by Rob Perry, 15 points, uh, one of his highest scored games here in the Valley so far. So then the other two games, Indiana State goes on the road in Chicago, plays the UIC Flames. Flames gave them everything they wanted and more. I mean, 89-83 win for the Trees on the road, only up two at halftime. I mean, Robbie Avila still great, 26, 11, and six. Can't had 10 and 11, but the guy, Isaiah Swope, 30-point outing, hit six threes in this one. Just absolutely, they continue to roll, and they got a big one tomorrow. Uh, I'll look ahead here shortly, but for UIC, Isaiah Rivera had 24 points. Christian Jones had 17. Then the game of the night, Drake goes on the road in Springfield and loses in double overtime to the Bears. Austin Mason, 36 points. Drake led by 13 in this game. Um then the crazy stat everybody's saying Tucker DeVries hit a 3 in this game with uh I think like trying to see here looking back at it real quick. 3 he hit a 3 with 3 seconds left in the first half. He didn't score in the second half or either overtime. So I I'm assuming I, I didn't see much of this game. I would I assume shout out to Donovan Clay because that's the type of guy he can be. So um, that's a crazy one. Then look ahead to this weekend's game. Illinois stayed on the road at Evansville. Evansville favored by one. That should be a good game. Don't know if Hummercouse. I know um, Raglan said on the teleconference that they're going to do what's best to see what for his longevity of his career because he's going to be playing after um, his – his his college career, so he'll be playing somewhere. Missouri State on the road at Valpo. Missouri State favored by three. UIC at Belmont. Bradley at Indiana State at five on ESPNU. That's the big one. Then you and I at Drake. The Battle of the Iowa schools, definitely a good one to watch. So a lot of important games this weekend. And I mean, you and I goes on the road and upside Drake. That moves starts the a little bit of a shift in the standings. Bradley and in Indiana State then. Just to jump into the new what the standings look like real quick, Indiana State's at the top at eight and one, followed by Drake and Bradley with seven and two you and I six and three, and it's the Salukis and the racers at five and four, so to space out a little bit more after this one um you and I loses to Drake on the road at Drake, the winner of our game ties for them with fourth. Belmont, Illinois State at four and five, Missouri State three and six, Evansville, Valpo two and seven, then one and eight, UIC at the bottom.
0: Yeah, it's there's some deciding stuff here. Half this will be the 10th game for everybody here after this game. So we'll know a lot here in this stretch here halfway through. And just going back to those games, you're right that, you know, Tucker not scoring in the let's say 10 minutes of five minute overtimes and then the latter 20. And he had like almost a half court shot in that three you were talking about. And he didn't even shoot awful. I mean, six to 14, Donovan for sure was shutting him out. And it's crazy that if he doesn't do that, he played 50 minutes in the game. over so he played the most on the team and the shots weren't there and they still almost lost and they still took it to the double OT. So we were thinking, we are talking earlier about, you know, in terms of just what other people are doing with power rankings and thinking about it ourselves well, they blew a 15, almost 15-point 15 lead to them. So it's on them, and it, and it shows that it's not necessarily all Missouri State. It shows their struggles to where they still allow when Tucker – and Tucker impacts it in other ways, and he had 10 rebounds. But you know he, the way he impacts it, and you still uh, almost lost when they do, that I'd be damned if we hold Tucker, and then we still manage to lose in some ways at home, even though it's very possible the way we play at home. So there are some interesting ones, and then you mentioned – the games everybody plays on Saturday, and you're right. I mean, the top four teams that are currently are matching up with each other, so we'll be scoreboard watching. But we got to take care of our game ourselves. Uh, quickly, I wanted to say X had another camp MVP. He's right behind Edie still, and some crazy stats of single season stuff where he's putting himself. He's putting himself in Charlie Vaughn territory with scoring average. He's he's only you know 33 more assists behind Brian for the all time season record. From SLU players, free throw percentage, he's behind Charlie Vaughn. And then there's – and then free throw's made. He's only like four, like 30-something behind. So Xavier Johnson could very well break single-season records this year. And if he keeps doing his thing and doing great and we do some successful things, we'll put this season up there with the likes of anybody in school history. That's clearly what he's doing. So I just had to touch on that here because it just came to my attention of looking at some of these. Uh, so Noah – before you dive into Murray, go ahead and dive into a former Saluki who was on a team that's doing successful things and he himself is doing them and then our first matchup with the Racers and our rivalry.
1: Yeah, definitely one I got to watch um last night uh was a battle for the first first place in the horizon league and um Pat Monahan and Foster Wonders gets the win led by Foster Wonders with nineteen points his career high he was seven, eight from the field, five, of five for six from three. I mean, this is great to see him. We knew he'd go to that, that league and, and thrive because we know he can shoot with the best of people in the country. And it's great to see him and Monahan getting things done. And Elijah Jones, who I liked out of John a and, uh, rootingers there from Valpo. So just guys, you know, thriving, and having a good time. So, good for foster it's it's not shocking for us so um good to see him and pat are having success um at their next stops then yeah diving into these racers obviously we posted on wednesday the year ago memory of having a little, little bit of a brawl after the game and obviously there was the incident with the fan and um haven't seen that guy since don't know if he's banned from the arena but yeah, this is a trip where the Dog Pound has sold all their spots out. They're making the trip down. Um, we know you uh, you and I and our buddy Mitch is going down too uh, after you get off work. So this is a trip where Saluki fans can um, go show some maroon in that, I think, blue and gold. I think they're doing some kind of thing for Murray State. But this is a team where 8-12 and 12 on the year, they're tied with us in the Valley. So you said earlier that the top four matchup the top four are matching up. Well, five and six are matching up as well. So it's time to space ourselves out to find out where things are shifting in the valley this weekend. But obviously we know Rob Perry came back. He was the big one when he came back. We're like, oh no, this team could take that next step. Kinda of, I mean he's averaging thirteen still. He's played in every game. He's playing the most minutes on or the second most minutes on the team every night. But kinda of just like I talked about it, I've talked about it a couple of times, just kind of a down year. Then Jacoby Wood averaging 12. He's doing it all. Quincy Anderson's really taking that next step. But key matchup, Nick Ellington is going to be a handful for all our bigs. And Brian Moore, we know him. Then they got a couple transfers. Applewhite, Walker, haven't played in every game. One was injured. One needed a waiver. Then uh, Justin Morgan starting for them too. Then they play Sam Murray and a Juco big sometimes off the bench. But um, I mentioned there's a key matchup, and I think – my dog of the game um, is going to have to be Clarence Rupert. Nick Ellington has been dominating a lot of bigs in this league for the last stretch and he's playing really well. So I think it's, I, like I said, I kind of lean towards, I said earlier, when talking about Trent, well, when I mean, he has a bad game, he has a good game next, but I think Ellen, the way Ellington's playing, I got to go with Clarence the way he rebounds. And I think it'd be, we can find ways they've been involved in the offense a little bit more to open up more spacing to get better looks from three. Cause obviously we're living by it. So I'm going to go with Clarence Rupert. We are a three point dog with an over under of one thirty-four and a half. and a half. So it's going to be a fun trip down there tomorrow.
0: Three and a half is interesting and they are still an unbelievable home team no matter if they've dropped some. And uh, that's a perfect number, I think. And we know the dog fight, you know. We it was in it, it was a fun game there last year. You mentioned the game when they came to our place, the one year anniversary of the fight, and again, the rivalry's there. And they're an interesting team, you know. They, as you said, Nick Ellington, EIU transfer, he's been awesome. He's up for newcomer team because he's won a couple of the awards already this season. Yeah, Rob Perry feels like man, you should have went professional because you can, you know, next thing you know, you're still playing good, but you're not playing what you should be, and then it, it takes you. Takes it away a little bit of what your pro ops can be, even though he'll, they'll still be there for him. But it's the you know they got Applewhite. He needed a waiver. He's been playing these ten games, and you mentioned some of those others. Quincy Anderson should be on the most improved team. We know there's tons of people for those for all these you know teams for the end of the season. And again, I mean, when they lose, I mean they they lost by ten against you and I at home then they lost by nine against an in, uh, Indiana state on that Sunday game that they played tough in. And then they only lost at Bradley by eight, who's red hot. So when they lose, they lose by 10 or less. And it's not like you you can beat them bad. It's going to be a close game on this for sure. And again, if I just because they're so good at guard, we preached how Murray is great at the guard position. They have Brian Moore coming off the bench and who do we have coming off the bench? If Trey Miller's hurt and Sheridan is just a freshman coming in there. It's just a heavy X and Trent game. And, I'm not going to pick either of those. And we've said how, you know, wanted to keep AJ off limits too, and I picked Kennard in the last game. So I'm going to go with Troy because, again, because it's like who else are you going to pick if you crunch the rotation a little bit? I mean, we could see RJ in this game again continuously. Uh, but just some of these, it's, it's, it's just strange. So who knows what's going to happen tomorrow. Yeah, we're making the trip. To get there, hopefully, on time in this changed 1 o'clock game. Hopefully, everybody else does as well. Fifty and a half percent as the matchup predictor for us. But you said there they are the favorites. So, it's a game matching up with five and six. We need this one because we got Missouri State coming in town next week. So, another tough stretch here. Go get another road dub for the dogs. Looking forward to it. Hopefully, a lot of other people show up and show out. Tomorrow at one o'clock, looking for that dub. So for Nick Malone, no alerts. As always, go dogs.